Well, this morning I have the great privilege to, to introduce our guest speaker this morning. Um, he is a veteran morning on-air radio personality, best-selling author, comedian, dedicated Christian, and a devoted family man. He hosts a national morning radio show on American Family Radio Network. I thought it was kind of funny. How many of y'all listen to the radio? American Family Network, you know, before these shows that they actually bring people on, they always put these disclaimers before it. You know, the ones that say, you know, the views expressed in the following program, yada, 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 do not necessarily reflect those of, I, thought it was, I just thought it was kind of funny. You know, they'll, they'll hire you and then they'll make a disclaimer. But, but anyway, at any rate, it says, it says, when he's not motivating listeners with his unique brand of humor and encouragement, he is entertaining people as a stand-up comedian and a keynote speaker. He's the author of Losing Cooper, Finding Hope to Grieve Well, uh, Moses was a basket case, and Jonah had a well of a time. Now, last night we had an opportunity to go and, and to hear hear him speak at the at the family farms, and we really completely enjoyed ourselves. This is a guy who'll make you laugh, he'll make you cry, he'll give you words of great hope and encouragement. And uh, this morning, you know, we haven't talked about what he's going to be speaking. I've kind of given him free reign, so I don't know the format. I don't know what he's going to be talking about. So, having said that, the views expressed in the following message do not necessarily reflect those of Pastor Billy Bartlett. But however, we're great, to, we're, we're, we feel great um, to have you, we're privileged to have you. Ladies and gentlemen, J.J. Jasper. Thank you, Brother Billy. How many listen to American Family Radio? I expected you to look different than you do. People don't look like they sound on the radio. Well, thank you for listening to AFR. We have almost 200 stations in 36 states, and I'm grateful for Don Wildman, the founder, and Tim Wildman, the Wildman family. Uh, AFA and AFR, they really do have a heart for faith, family, and freedom. And thank you for your love and your prayers and your support of AFR. 91.1 here in Malvern, and uh, I do what DJs do with the whole sunny skies, 72 degrees coming up this hour. We've got music from Mercy Me, David Crowder, and Michael W. Smith. But um, I don't know if you've ever thought about it. It's actually harder to be a DJ than you may suppose. A lot of you have listened to the radio for many years, and do you remember the EBS test? I see some baby boomers in the room. Do you remember when they would say, had this been an actual emergency, and the announcer comes on and says, this is a test. This is the test of the Mercy Broadcast System, this station in cooperation with. Hardest thing about being a DJ was learning how to do the <laughs> It's going to be a long morning. <laughs> and when you're listening to the radio, we've all had a song stuck in our head, right? You didn't plan to memorize the lyrics and you find yourself humming or singing a song. Well, uh, a fellow had the song, The Green, Green Grass of Home, stuck in his head. And days turned into weeks. He got so concerned, he went to the doctor and said, Doc, I have had this song, The Green, Green Grass of Home, stuck in my head so long, I'm, I'm getting concerned. Immediately, the doctor said, well, you've got the Tom Jones syndrome. He said, Tom Jones syndrome? Why? I've never even heard of that. He said, is, it, is that common? The doctor said, it's not unusual. Of course, the younger ones in the room, the millennials, don't get that. But uh, now we'll have that song stuck in our head. 
I want to say thank you to Stan and, and Donna May, two of the sweetest people I've ever met. Those of you that know about family farms and the church camp, what a remarkable couple. And we were at their farm last night, a night of music and food and fun and fellowship. And the, the greatest compliment I can give them is when you look in their direction, you see Jesus. They absolutely love the Lord, and only God knows how many lives have been impacted there at the camp, and I hope that you'll support and pray for that ministry. This morning, I'd like to share about the storms of life, if you need a title, if you're taking notes, and if you'll turn with me to Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27, Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, very familiar passage. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his hand his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this blessing to be in your house on the Lord's day. Thank you for each person in the room. Bless each person, bless each family that's here, bless this church home. Brother Billy, the staff, continue to use this church as a beacon of hope and help proclaiming the gospel. Lord, I don't know who's here, who's discouraged, whose marriage is strained. I don't know who in this room have lost loved ones or lost their job or just had a difficult week, but you know. And especially if there's someone in this room that have never surrendered to you, they've never realized their need for you, humbled themselves, repented of their sins and received you into their heart and life by faith. Would you let this be the day that they're born again? Let this be the day that they get saved. But Lord, you have permission to encourage, inspire, challenge, convict, heal, deliver, whatever you want to do this morning. Lord, have your way. And I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and speak through me. And we pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. C.S. Lewis once wrote, God whispers in our pleasure, but shouts in our pain. Someone has suggested there are three phases of life. You are headed into a storm, currently in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. In that very familiar passage that we read, you had two men, one who heard the word of God and obeyed and one who heard the word of God and disobeyed or rejected the word or ignored the word. But if you'll notice in the story, for both men, the storms of life came. The rain came down, the floodwaters rose, the winds were blowing. And I'm convinced that every single person at some point will go through a storm of life. I just think it's inevitable that you can't go from cradle to the grave without going through a storm. Thankfully, uh, the song that we just heard, the God of the mountain is also a God in the valley. I remember I was traveling once and I was in a, 
I was a teenager and I was in Colorado Springs and I was at a crossroad in my life. I was traveling alone and I ate breakfast at this little cafe and I bowed to say the blessing over my food. And after I did, there was a military man, very distinguished with a lot of medals. And he noticed that I'd said the blessing. So he had me come over to his table and explain he was a Christian. He said, join me for breakfast. After our conversation, and I said I was at a crossroads, kind of a low point in my life, he looked out the window and he pointed to Pike's Peak. And he said, I want you to look up there at Pike's Peak. And everything was green and growing to a certain point. And then there was like a straight line, almost like you would lay a level and draw a straight line. He said, that's the timber line. Everything grows to that point, and beyond that point, there's not enough oxygen along with other things, and there's no growth on the mountaintop. And he said, everybody wants to be on the mountaintop. You've got a great view. It's heady. It's exciting. We all want to be on the mountaintop, but there's no growth. You look down in the valley where nobody wants to go, and it's lush, and it's green. And if you think about some of the times that you were the closest to the Lord, maybe newly married and broke, maybe going through a a financial reversal or sickness in your family or something that caused you to be desperate and cry out to the Lord and he drew especially near to you. And the God on the mountain is also the God in the valley. And I want to talk about the storms of life this morning. I want to share a a lot of testimony. Um, Our family is just charmed. My wife, Melanie, I've got a godly gorgeous wife. We have seven children. I shared last night, initially we had four children. We had a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and an eight-year-old. Can you imagine? A one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and an eight-year-old. There was a whole lot of crying that went on in our house, and sometimes the babies were crying. Do you know that diaper spelled backwards is repaid? No, it really is. We, uh, but our children bring us so much joy. There's so much noise and excitement. There's never a dull moment in our home. And uh, now the Lord has blessed us. We have seven children. But being on the radio and getting to travel, our life has been marked by ministry and adventure and fun. We're an outdoors family, and we love to water ski, and, and we love to ride horses, and we just have so much fun and for many many years after becoming a Christian there was hardly a ripple in our life we just didn't have any sort of trouble to speak of until 2008 2008 March my father-in-law found out that he had cancer and only after a few weeks he passed away he was larger than life a Southern Baptist pastor and just uh, sort of held the family together. And so when he passed away, it was just devastating for the entire family. My wife's a daddy's girl, it was especially rough for her. One week after he died, my wife Melanie had a miscarriage. Any of you that have experienced that, you know how difficult and traumatic that is. So 2008, my father-in-law passes away in March, One week later, we have a miscarriage, and then on Labor Day, I'd saddled up our quarter horse. We'd bought a farm, and we had horses and cows, and for some reason, the the horse just went crazy, and it started bucking so high, it was like an upside-down U 
and all four hoofs were off the ground. And I grew up riding horses, but this horse was out of control and going crazy. And I was doing pretty good until it went, out, it went over a bluff, just bucking just like crazy. So something happened when we, when we went over that bluff. I wasn't sure what, but it felt like I just got snapped in two. And the pain was so blinding, I said, i got to get off this horse. So I just dove off like Superman. It's funny the little details you can remember because I dove off at the height of the buck. And if I'd waited just a few more seconds, I'd have been a little closer to earth. But I just said, I've got I've to bail out of here. So I just dove off like Superman. When I hit the ground, I broke my shoulder. I broke five ribs. I broke my tailbone. I collapsed my lung. And initially what happened... I'd come down on the saddle horn, and the saddle horn had driven my groin up inside of me and broke my pelvis open. When people say they broke their pelvis, they usually just cracked it. But it broke my pelvis open and, and drove everything up inside, and I had uh, internal bleeding, broken shoulder, as I mentioned, five broken ribs, broken tailbone. Other than that, I was okay. The, uh, I was in the hospital for 59 days, seven days in intensive care. And when the doctors came and, and shared with my wife, Melanie, he said, if your husband survives the next 24 or 48 hours, and she said, whoa, 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 if he survives, this is just a horseback riding accident. But I literally hung in the balance between life and death. And it's, it's funny because I get a chance to travel a lot. We have so many radio stations. And after I got all put back together, the number one question that everybody would ask when I was traveling, they said, what would you do with a horse? And they weren't worried if I walked with, without a limp or anything else. They just That honestly was the number one question people would just say, hey, I just got to ask you, what did you do with the horse? I guess they were thinking there's no way I'd be able to sell it, much less give it away after it caused all that damage. Would you believe that I had two men bidding against each other to buy that horse? They wanted to give it to their mother-in-law. <laughs> yes, I'm just kidding about the bidding war, but 2008 was not a laughing matter for our family. And at the end of the year, we had the death in our family, the miscarriage, and people said, well, you're like Job. Well, the real Job in our family is my wife because her daddy died. She had a miscarriage, and the same year, her husband almost died. And so at the end of the year, we just sort of hunkered down and huddled together as a family, and thank God that that the worst was behind us, and in fact, that was our consolation. We said this was the worst year that we've ever had, but thank God there is nothing that could ever happen to us to compare with this year. And little did we know, fast forward into, into 2009, I'd come home from a, a trip to, in, in Denver, I'd miss my wife and children so much. We had, at the time, we had three girls and one boy, and our children, our girls were such a blessing, so talented, so smart, so beautiful. Our, our little boy, Cooper, five years old, blonde hair, blue eyes, all boy, so sweet, so friendly. And I'd, I'd come home from this trip from Denver, and, and Cooper and I got in our dune buggy, and we were riding up and down the, the dirt lane. We bought the dune buggy for its safety. It was low to the ground. It had a full roll cage. It had padded roll bars. 
he was buckled in, and we were just riding up and down the, the dirt lane on our small farm, and the wind was in our hair, and the sky was blue. It was July the 17th, 2009. Just a, a daddy and his son having fun, a father and, and his boy making memories. And after we rode for, for a pretty good bit, then when we finished, I was just going to do what we always called a, a donut. I was just going to turn the wheel and floor it and spin around and head back to the house. So I turned the wheel and I floored it, the dune buggy spun around, and then something went terribly wrong and it rolled over. I was not buckled in, but Coop was, and I hit the ground. And my first thought was, boy, I hope I didn't put a scratch on him. That's my, that's my buddy. He's my best friend. And those of you fathers, you know that special connection between a, a father and a son. And I thought, if I broke his little arm or something, I'd never be able to forgive myself. And so I took a few steps over to the dune buggy. It was laying on its side. He was still buckled in. And, and that rollover, just a freak accident, it had broken his little neck. And my only son died in my arms July the 17th, 2009. The shock and the horror and the just how you just feel like you're in a fog and you can't believe something so uh, so of that magnitude could happen in the blink of an eye and to put it into perspective it was Friday evening the weekend was here the sky was blue it was summertime our world was was perfect that was on Friday evening on Saturday mid-morning, we were at the funeral home, and the funeral director was saying, which one of these caskets do you want for your little boy? All of those words like surreal, and you just think this has to be a nightmare because these kinds of things happen to other people. There's no way this can be happening to us. God was with us, and he's promised to never leave us and never forsake us. And even on your worst day, he will be there. His word is true. His promises are yes and amen. And because of his word and because of our local church, our family, our friends, prayers, prayers from, from AFR listeners, we're still standing. Someone said that 89% of marriages fail when there's the death of a small child. So when you hear of someone who drowns or gets out in traffic, please rally around that family. And... Uh, we, uh, I, I can't describe the pain, and I can't describe the amount of guilt and regret because it was my idea to buy the farm. It was my idea to buy the dune buggy. It was my idea to go riding that day, and, of course, with me, do, me doing the driving, you can only imagine how much guilt and how much regret. Uh, I usually don't share this part of the story, but I'm just going to share this briefly. My grandfather was an alcoholic, and a barroom brawler and a gambler. His son, my father, same story, alcoholic, barroom brawler, and a gambler, and, uh, and other things. My only brother and me, we were on that same road, and when Jesus found me and rescued me, uh, he, he forgave me of my sins and got me sober. My only brother stayed on that road, and by the way, young people, he said, I'm going to get saved someday. I'm going to get right with the Lord someday. But he put it off and he put it off. And as a young man, he was addicted to drugs and alcohol, and he died of cirrhosis of the liver. So I don't know if you're connecting the dots, but my grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. 
My only brother was an alcoholic, it even killed him. And I drank as a young person before Jesus gloriously saved me. So I say all that to say I know a different way to grieve. And only by God's mercy that my wife and I uh, are sober and we're still married and we're not bitter or angry at God and we're still going to church. So I don't know what you've been through today or this week or this year, but he's big enough to be able to handle anything that you face. And even if you're going through a storm, if it's financial or health related or uh, something with a relationship, he is able to be there for you and to give you the grace and the mercy that you need. And he did that for our family. And if I can just quickly move through 10 things that we learned, we learned a lot going through that storm of life, but here are 10 things that we learned for sure. Life is precious, but it's also fragile. We learned how quickly life can completely change. We need not live in fear, but strive to make every moment count because it's true what they say. You never know when's gonna be your last opportunity to say, I love you to someone you care about. Make time for family and friends. Relish those moments together. And in lieu of what happened to us, we tell our friends to turn off the TV and please get down on the floor and play with your children and play with your grandchildren. Number two, humility. When something catastrophic happens, we realize how little we are in control of. God is big and we are small. Um, we were completely humbled and overwhelmed by the death of our young son. And sometimes it takes something drastic to stop us in our tracks, help us to prioritize and make a course correction. We were also genuinely humbled by the love and outpouring of support from others in our time of need. Number three, we learned about the power of prayer. God hears and answers prayer. When we were too weak or depressed to pray for ourselves, we knew others were praying for us, and it was as if we could literally feel the prayers being lifted up for us. Prayer is the difference maker. And someone has rightly said, anything that you're not praying about, you're trying to do on your own. Number four, the power of God's word. The Bible is the greatest book that has ever been written. It is the inerrant, infallible word of God. It is God-breathed. We talk to God through prayer, and God speaks to us through the Bible. There's no greater source for comfort, guidance, and wisdom. And the greatest comfort we received while we were grieving was going to this book and especially reading the Psalms. And some of these things I mentioned and we knew but C.S. Lewis said we need to be reminded more often than we need to be taught. Number five, we learned about the importance of the body of Christ. We saw the church in action from small gestures of kindness to larger ones. Every card, every meal, every thoughtful act made a difference and had an impact in our life in our time of need. Number six, we learned about God is sovereign he is the potter, we are the clay. He is the shepherd, we are the sheep. God has a purpose and a plan, and even our darkest day did not catch him by surprise. Lord, help us come to the place where we can pray, not my will, but thy will be done. Number seven, provision. 
God provided a sacrifice for Abraham on Mount Moriah and ravens to feed Elijah by the brook. He provided a cruise of oil for the widow and an ark for Noah and his family. He promises to supply all your needs, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. His grace is sufficient, and we discover that even during a storm, God is faithful. He will give you exactly what you need precisely when you need it. Number eight, we learned about the peace of God. Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but it's the presence of God. And whatever you're facing this morning or whatever you may face, he will be right there. He was with Daniel in the lion's den. He was with Joseph in the pit. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he will be with you no matter what kind of storm that you're facing or that you will face. I believe it's not a matter of if, but it's when something happens. Young people, you might have a girlfriend or a, or a boyfriend break up with you. And that may feel like it's the end of the world, but it's not. But that is a devastating pain. You may lose your job. Some of you, your marriage may be strained. Some in this room have suffered from divorce, and that's, that's a painful loss. And, and, and loss that requires grieving, whether it's losing a loved one or, or losing a job or having a home in foreclosure, listen, that requires God's grace. It takes supernatural strength to get through losing something or losing someone we learned about his presence we've experienced the faithful presence of God during our difficult journey God led the Israelites with fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day Moses said to the Lord you've been telling me lead these people but you not let me know who you will send with me you've said I know you by name and you found favor with me if I found favor in your eyes teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you remember that this nation is your people the Lord replied my presence will go with you and I will give you rest then Moses said to him if your presence does not go with us do not send us up from here Exodus 33, verse 12 through 15. In other words, God, if you're not going to be there, I don't want to go. We need his presence in our life, just like in Mark 4 when Jesus was in the boat, and he said, let us go to the other side. And then the storm started to rage, and he was asleep in the bottom of the boat, and the, the disciples freaked out, and they said, don't you even care? And maybe you've got that attitude or you've had that attitude look at these bills look how my rebellious teenager is doing look at this strain on my marriage look at my what's happened with my grandparents who have passed away or a parent or I'm taking care of my aging parents look look how overwhelmed I, I am God don't you even care don't you even care it's like you're asleep well Jesus even asleep in the bottom of the boat he's not powerless when he said, let us go to the other side, heaven and earth could not keep them from reaching the shore. He is a life changer. Jesus is a miracle worker. He's amazing. Even though we lost our only son, God is good and God is faithful. And our tragedy doesn't change the fact that he's a good God and he's holy and he's sovereign. And his presence is what we need in the middle of a storm. Last but not least, we learned that this world is not our home. 
Trials, trouble, and tragedy have a way of reminding us that we are sojourners. We are just pilgrims passing through. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Romans 8, 18. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We started talking about building our house, building our life on the rock, on the obedience to the word of God, knowing Jesus. It's more than just being a church member. It's more than religion. It's repenting of our sins and receiving Jesus Christ into our heart and life by faith. And if we place our trust in Christ, we have the assurance from the Bible that heaven will be our home. One day we will be safely home rejoicing in the promises we have in Revelation 21.4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. After our little boy died, AFA tried to find resources for us, and they said there's not a lot out there for people who have lost a child. It's so unnatural, it's so out of order. If you think about it, if a woman's husband dies, she's called a widow. If a little child's parents pass away, they're called an orphan. Have you ever thought about this? There's not even a word for parents whose child has died. It's just that horrific. It's that awful. It's that out of order. So American Family Association said, you haven't turned to drugs or alcohol. Your marriage is still strong. You're not bitter or angry at God. You're still going to church. We want to do a, a movie and... Number one, we want to give it away, not sell it. Number two, we just want to let people know there's hope on the other side of tragedy. So they they filmed a movie called Flame On. Dr. Dobson helped with it. He's in the the bonus tracks. Dr. David Jeremiah, the Kendrick brothers. And I brought a copy for each family. So I've got a table out in the foyer, and I've got got one of those DVDs for, for each family. And especially if you know someone in the community who's just lost a a parent or the grandparent has just passed away and and they just need that strength and comfort and they need closure uh, you can get one for them as well but this has been a real privilege to be here this morning thank you for this opportunity to be at first baptist and and malvern in the brick capital of the world and uh again i'm so thankful for stan and donna and brother billy and the and the farm and just this opportunity to share from God's word, to offer you help and hope and let you know that Jesus is a life changer and no matter what you're facing, he will be there for you. And, and let me just say in closing, when our little boy died and we had the service and then we went to the, to the graveyard service, a minister friend at the graveyard service said simply, Uh, something that I want to say to you if you've lost a spouse or a child or a grandparent. He said, in the next 
weeks and months, people with good intentions will come up to you and say, in time, you'll get over this. Unfortunately, it's not true. You're never going to get over it. This is not a, not a wound that will heal. This is an amputation. And just like someone's lost a hand or a foot, an arm or a leg, you're, you're not ever going to get over it. But you will get through it with God's help. But you're going to have to find a new normal. You're going to have to find a new way of doing life. So you'll never get over it. But you will get through it. By God's grace, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of resurrection power that is available to you. But grieving is hard work and it requires supernatural help. If you've lost a close loved one, you'll never get over it. But you will get through it with the Lord's help. God bless you. Thank you. Brother Billy.